Hello, I'm Mariette Neumann. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today our topic is Brain Working Recursive Therapy Can Address Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder Effectively. My guest is counseling psychologist Heinrich Benjamin, senior psychologist at the Department of Correctional Services in Cape Town. Welcome, Heinrich. Thank you, Mariette. It's a pleasure to be here. Just for our listeners, after our discussion, Heinrich will give us his three best tips on managing PTSD, and then it will be fun question time. Heinrich, you and I have recorded an Afrikaans podcast on this subject, but I've had requests for an English episode. So thank you for being available. It's a pleasure to have you back. It's my pleasure to do it in English, and I hope that it helps so many people when they listen to it. I'm sure it's going to. Now, before you moved to the Department of Correctional Services, you were involved in the South African Police Service in the Western Cape. Could you tell us about this? Yes, I, I actually joined the South African Police in 2012. And, and the majority of the time at SAPS, I occupied um, the position of provincial head uh, of psychological services for the Western Cape. And I think, as you can well imagine, it was a very challenging role um, because police officers are at the forefront of crime and in the execution of their duties, they are continuously exposed to trauma. Um, and it was, it was part of my job at SAPS to provide psychological services to police members and their family and also trauma debriefing for our SAPS members who had either been exposed to a very traumatic scene or that they have actually faced real and imminent danger. So that was in, in, in bulk the, the, the biggest part of my role at SAPS. Yes, you were really in the thick of it, I think, dealing with SAPS. We know that very few South Africans are not familiar with the word trauma. Could you please define the term? Sure. I, I think for me, Mariette, to better understand the meaning of trauma, people may find it very useful to uh, return to the original Greek origin of the word. Now, um, trauma is a Greek word for wound, a physical wound, basically referring to that. So people in the medical field typically use the word trauma in hospitals to describe a physical injury. So, for an example, when you sustain a physical injury like trauma to the head, you'll find that the, the medical professionals will take you to the trauma unit for treatment. But this word trauma is also used in the psychological world, if you want. And here we are not referring to physical injuries, but more to the inner man, the inner person. And here we are looking at wounds that you cannot see with your eyes or even touch with your hands. So I think this helps us to understand that trauma does not only refer to the physical pain or physical injury, but it includes emotional pain and even stress. Um, to define it, there are many definitions out there of trauma, but I find the 
definition that the American Psychological Association, the APA, they provide a very nice definition, which I normally use as a baseline when I explain trauma to people. So they define trauma as an emotional response uh, someone has to an extremely negative event. So while trauma is a normal reaction to a horrible event, the, the effects and the impact can sometimes be so severe that it interferes with an individual's ability to live a normal life. They have difficulty fulfilling their tasks at home, at work, even children at school. We can see that it affects their academic performance. So I feel when we look at it in that way, it sums it up nicely for us to see that trauma does not only refer to the physical world, but also to your psychological well-being. Yes, and as you said, that is actually invisible, <laughs> that word. Yeah. yeah, you can't touch it with your hands. And I think often people don't even realize that they've been traumatized, Marit, because they, they, they feel that there's nothing wrong with them physically. And I think as we later on in the conversation, I will speak a little bit more about that uh, in detail. Hmm. Heinrich, what can cause psychological or emotional trauma? Yeah, this, you know, South Africans are, are no stranger to trauma. So, so trauma can be caused by an overwhelmingly negative event. And as I said earlier on, the effects or the causes of it is lasting, the impact is lasting, and it impacts the victim, the victim's mental and the emotional stability. So we know that some, like I explained earlier, some sources of trauma can be physically violent in nature and others more emotional or psychological, if you will. So I want to list a few common uh, sources of trauma, and although there are so many, I feel these are the main ones that most of us deal with. I list one of the sources of trauma as rape. In South Africa, our rape statistics are very alarming. In fact, there's some there's some literature going around speaking to the idea that every 25 seconds in South Africa, a woman is raped. I've even read in the week that a woman is more likely to be raped than finish school in South Africa. And I know at one point when I was working for SAPS, uh, we were called the rape capital of the world. And this is not a good reputation to have. So besides rape, other sources of trauma include things like domestic violence, natural disasters, severe illness or injury, so even for an example, when someone is diagnosed with cancer or the terminal illness is very traumatizing and the death of a loved one, especially here in COVID times, we've lost so many people um, close to us, friends and family. It's very traumatizing and not only losing loved ones, but if we think of the impact of COVID-19, people have lost their jobs, their homes, their livelihood. This is very traumatic, and, and these are things that can cause trauma. And this one I find also very interesting, that we can also be traumatized when we witness an act of violence. So some people think that you, you must be directly impacted, so you have to be involved in it. No, you even if you witness something from a distance, 
it can also be very traumatizing. And here young children are especially vulnerable to that kind of trauma. And so I would say that as a, as a standard, any child that had been exposed to any kind of trauma should immediately be taken for an examination to ensure that they are okay and that they do not need any further intervention. One of the things that I've also picked up in our communities, and I talk specifically Cape Town and in the Cape Flats, we've become very desensitized when it comes to witnessing and, 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 and uh, seeing violence. And often we don't report it. But like I said, sometimes these things on uh, trauma is not only things that you can see, but it's also invisible. So as a standard for me, young people, young children, I would say it's a must take them to a treatment professional immediately for an examination so that we can make sure we can ensure their emotional well-being. Heinrich, what are the symptoms of trauma? <laughs> it's, it's, when I answer this question, I like to make a little disclaimer. You know, people are different and we experience different kind of trauma symptoms, if you will. So sometimes something may be traumatizing to me, but not to the other person. For an example, I've, I've seen uh, a couple before and uh, the wife grew up in a home where they loved animals and animals was part of their, their everyday life. And she got married and um, one of their pets died and the husband couldn't really offer any kind of sympathy or support because in their home they just didn't really care about animals. And, and so when I, when I highlight this point, I just want to illustrate the fact that we are different, we come from different backgrounds, and the way something impacts one person may be different for the other person. And, and in INSEPS, I often saw that. You would find that the old, older police officers, they would say, ah, you know what, I've been in many shooting incidents before, it doesn't impact me at all. And then you'll find maybe someone who's a little bit more junior and it would be very difficult. And it doesn't mean that you are weaker or that you have less emotional or mental strength. We are just different. So if I can just sort of speak broadly about some of the common trauma symptoms that we, that we see, one of them would be that often when people experience trauma, they present as shaken and even disorientated. So you will find that these people, when you speak to them, they wouldn't respond like they normally would. They would even uh, appear to be withdrawn or not even present when you are speaking. Another symptom is anxiety. So often when people experience trauma, they, they, get, they get a lot of nightmares, flashbacks. They even become irritable. And their concentration goes down and they even go through mood swings. And I want to attach the mood swings to another very common symptom, which is anger and emotional outbursts, right? So, so victims of trauma, they, they may even at some point direct their emotions or what they've experienced to, uh, onto other sources. So things like family and friends. So they project a lot of that anger onto them. And one of the, this is one of the reasons why trauma is so difficult for loved ones also, 
because it's hard to help someone who pushes you away. But yeah, I think when we understand the emotional symptoms that come after trauma, it can help ease the the helping process. And then I also want to want to highlight and maybe underline once again that individuals respond to trauma in different ways. Sometimes trauma is virtually unnoticeable, even to the victim's closest friends and family. So the causes illustrate the importance of talking to someone after a traumatic event has occurred, even if you show no initial signs of of trauma or initial signs of any kind of disturbance because trauma can also manifest days, months, even years after the event. So I feel it's very important for us to take note of those symptoms, especially even if it doesn't impact you immediately, it could actually impact you in a month and even years later after the event. Thank you, Heinrich. Untreated trauma can lead to post-traumatic stress disorder, which we know as PTSD. Could you tell us what PTSD is? Yeah, I I think your question ties so nicely into what I spoke about a few few seconds ago, about how trauma can, does not always manifest immediately. It could be months and years later. But before I get into, into that, I maybe want to talk about PTSD being a very interesting mental health diagnosis or, or condition, if you will. Initially, the researchers, the, the, the various professionals, they only thought that this disorder can only occur in army veterans. We know them. And I mean, if I think about the situation in the Ukraine, our hearts go out to them also and what's going on there. So initially, people thought that, hold on, this only occurs within army veterans. Today, we see that PTSD, it affects at least 10% of the population. And, and you know what, Mariette, my personal feeling is that I believe that the prevalence of PTSD is actually higher because so many people have never had the opportunity to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist for a, a formal evaluation and diagnosis. So I think from a personal point of view, it may even be higher than 10%. Uh, Mariette, I want to, if, if I may even add a little bit more, I, I thought maybe it'd be useful for people to know how psychologists and psychiatrists, what is it that we look out for when we um, diagnose PTSD within people? And Broadly speaking, we look for four main symptoms when we diagnose PTSD. Firstly, was the person exposed to a traumatic event? Was the person actually confronted with actual or threatened death or serious injury? So there has to be a traumatic event. There has to be exposure to it. That's the first thing we look for. Then the second thing we look for is that, is the person re-experiencing the traumatic event? Is the person getting flashbacks? Is he getting nightmares? Is he just sitting still? And it would almost look like the person is daydreaming. It's almost like their mind is not there because they are simply, their mind becomes preoccupied with the traumatic event. That's the second thing. And the third thing, we find that 
people often avoid anything associated with a trauma. And here's a simple example. I might have been in a very serious car accident and now um, I avoid maybe driving a car. I avoid driving on the road where the accident happened. So we find that people um, often even take different routes home. They don't want to go the same way because it, it triggers the traumatic event for them. And then the fourth and, and, and last thing, and of course, the, the evaluation is much more extensive than what I'm explaining, but here you'll find that people are also, you'll you find an abnormal increase in the person's level of alertness. So here you'll see that people um, have this exaggerated startle response to certain things. They're hypervigilant. So if I can make an example, one day, uh, my home was uh, burgled, and uh, thank God I wasn't at home that day. But when I arrived home in the evening, I couldn't sleep. And any little noise that I heard, it made me jump up. It made me think that it could be someone at the dorm. They might be coming back. I often even saw it with police officers. So when a door, you know, sometimes we leave our windows open and a door, the wind will maybe shut the door very loudly. They would jump up and imagine almost like someone is shooting at them. And so we find that there is an increase in the person's level of alertness, that it's almost to a point that it's abnormal. It's, it's, and at times people can't even sleep because they are so alert, their ears and eyes and everything is super sensitive because it's the brain's way of simply saying, Hey, you've got to protect yourself. You've got to do this because it might happen again. And with treatment and with seeing a psychologist, a psychiatrist for treatment, you actually learn how to deal with that even more effectively. Yeah, you explain that so lucidly. I think many of us can relate to some of those <laughs> Some of those signs. Now, Heinrich, you discovered a way to treat PTSD successfully. Could you tell us about this therapy? Absolutely. And I'm very excited to talk about it. I discovered a therapy called BWRT, Brain Works Recursive Therapy. And BWRT is such an innovative therapy. It helps us to treat conditions like PTSD in record time. Now, I've personally experienced that in as little as one to two sessions, one is able to deal with complex trauma permanently. So I am very, very excited about this therapy. How did you get involved in it? It's it's actually an interesting story, well, at least for me, I believe. So, like I said, I was working for SAPS, and one of my former lecturers, Mr. Rafik Lockhart, he actually did a presentation to all the psychologists in SAPS. We had a conference in Pretoria. And at that time, I was also searching for alternative methods to deal with trauma more efficiently. And, and when I heard about BWRT and I looked at the benefits such as it being so reliable and cost effective and, and also the fact that one is able to treat it in record time, and for me, it was an absolute winner. So I connected with 
my, my lecturer again, I found out about the course. And here was the beauty of it. SAPS actually trained all its psychologists in BWRE. That's how much confidence we have in this treatment. So if, if I look at the old ways in which we dealt or in which we managed and treated trauma in the past, it could take anything from 15 to 21 sessions. And you know, in your place of work, you do not have so much time actually for treatment. And it's also expensive to see a psychologist for so long. And with BWRT, you can do it in one or two sessions. So it was the perfect fit for SAPS and even in private work, more and more people are beginning to ask for BWRT by name because they can see the benefits of it. Heinrich, how does BWRT approach post-traumatic stress disorder? Yeah, if, if we look at old ways, can I call them old ways or other ways of dealing with post-traumatic stress, we would normally teach ways in how to manage the condition. So we will teach you um, trauma management skills. So we teach you how to manage the condition. But with BWRT, it deals directly with the root of the problem. It goes directly into the problematic memories, behaviors related to the trauma. So here, we are not treating the symptoms, but it actually deals with the actual cause of what happens. And this is what makes the therapy so effective when we compare it to the traditional therapies. We go straight to the root of the problem and we do so in record time when we do it. You've mentioned some advantages of treating PTSD in this way. Uh, are there any else you'd like to tell us? Yeah, I, I think for me, there are so many benefits. I think even for the therapist doing the actual work, there's so much benefits. But if I could list just two or three uh, benefits that I think would appeal to most people is the fact that it deals with the root of the problem and not the symptoms. It saves you time. It's cost effective. And the treatment, most times it's permanent. The solution what we do, you won't re-experience it again if it's applied according to the guidelines set out in the BWRT protocol. So for me, those are the main ones that stand out. I maybe even add that sometimes you may come with more than one problem, more than one issue that impacts you. And we find with BWRT, when we deal with the main problem, it's almost as if these other issues that we are struggling with, it organically just dissolves. It somehow works itself out after we have dealt with the one thing. And, and for me, as an example could be, I've had a client once, her father had passed away. And during that time, her husband had also um, he committed adultery, he cheated on, and it was very traumatizing. So she could actually never really deal with the death of her father. And once we used BWRT to help her resolve and work through the, the loss of her father, she was also then able to deal with 
her relationship problems. It made her, it opened her up to actually look at the problems in her relationships and take the appropriate steps. So a lot of conditions seem to resolve when we deal with the main one. And that is an additional benefit. Do you perhaps have another case study to illustrate the role of BWRT in the treatment of PTSD? I, I actually do. And, and I shared it with some of my colleagues who are using BWRT. In short, I recently treated a 37-year-old policewoman. And yeah, maybe I, I put a word of caution because maybe what I explained might be a little bit traumatizing to some people if if they are not prepared for it. But I'll try and keep minimal detail and so that, you know, it doesn't uh, traumatize people when they listen to it. But coming back to the example, 37-year-old uh, policewoman, she was repeatedly raped by her ex-husband. He had called her all sorts of vulgar names and it was terrible. And she's been dealing with this problem for over 15 years. She's been booked into various mental health facilities and we know that she had also attempted suicide. So she had great difficulty concentrating and even connecting with her child. She she reported feeling or getting chills when anyone, including her child, touches her. She had nightmares and terrible flashbacks and it impacted her ability to actually perform her tasks at work as well as at home. So using BWRT, we were able to go to the exact moment and these uh, exact problematic memories that she was dealing with. And we were able to resolve a trauma within two sessions. The first session, we, uh, 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 I say modestly, we knocked it out of the park. And the second session was simply a follow-up to a year, if she's okay, if any other memories, nightmares came back. And for me, what the real victory was in, in this example, after we did the BWRT treatment, this woman is no longer on medication and she's able to connect with her child. And that to me was the real winner. The fact that she no longer gets these chills and she doesn't avoid spending time with her child. For me, that was the real blessing in what uh, the therapy was able to do for her. It was life changing. Thank you, Heinrich. You run a part-time private practice. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. I, I do run a part-time practice. I have a practice in Rondebosch. That's usually on Saturdays only. And in Malmesbury, I think since last year, I opened one on Fridays. And I mainly work after hours. So Saturdays and after hours during the week. And I also do one or two online sessions whilst the COVID pandemic is going on. Where can clients find out more about your work? They're most welcome to reach out to me through my website, which is www.heinrichbenjaminpsychology.co.za. And if they would like to also reach me, they can do so through my Facebook page. Very simple, Heinrich Benjamin Psychology Practice. They can, you know, connect with me through, through Facebook and we can then, once they leave me a message, our office will make sure that they get a phone call and we'll schedule an appointment for them. 
Right, and I'll attach the link to your website to this podcast. Thank you. Now, please, your three best tips on managing PTSD. I think for me, these are, um, there are so many tips I can give, but let me give three three main ones. I think the first thing as a standard, I want to encourage any person who had experienced trauma to talk to someone. You know, I've, I've often found that especially men, we don't like to talk to someone. They would rather consume alcohol and, and so that they don't have to deal with the problem. So for me, the first thing would be talk to someone. You don't have to deal with this problem alone. There is help available. Another tip, which is often often underestimated and so underutilized, and it's free. One of the other tips to help you manage PTSD or trauma in general is to exercise and to take care of your body. It's very important. The old saying says, healthy body equals healthy mind. The research is overwhelming when it comes to this. The benefits of exercising and how that leads to improved mental health, it is undoubted. There is sufficient evidence to support that. And then the last one, I would say, when you are going through something traumatic and it's becoming overwhelming, make time for mindful breathing. Take deep breaths. That often just helps, slows things down. Breathing calms your body. The first thing that goes when you're in a traumatic situation, your heart rate increases and your breathing becomes more rapid and pressured. And we want to slow the body down. And we do that through mindful breathing. So when your body is calm and your mind is calm, you can deal with things in a more balanced way. So when you're calm, you tend to deal with things in a much more effective and better way. Those are my three tips. Thank you, Heinrich. And now on a lighter note, can I ask you a fun question? You're most welcome to do that. Thank you. Now we are moving to the realm of the imagination. Imagine, Heinrich, you could live in any part of the world for a year. Where would that be? Sure. I haven't given that much thought, but my immediate answer would be, I love our country. We've got some problems here, but I think there are problems <laughs> anywhere. But if I could live anywhere, I'll stay where I am. I, I, I don't know. My main motivator would be I'm a, I'm a family guy. So I like to be around family and friends. So I wouldn't be able to live in another country if they are not with me. <laughs> so, so I would say for me, I'll stay right here because of my love for my family and, and friends. And you do live in a, a most beautiful part of the country as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's yeah. true. Thank you, Heinrich, for giving us more insight into BWRT and how it relates to post-traumatic stress disorder. Thank you, Mariette. It was an absolute pleasure to be able to speak to you today. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about.
I'd really appreciate it if you'd rate Calm, Clear and Helpful where you download your podcasts. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in improving your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, marietsneeman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.